Hi, welcome to Hungary in Nashville. May I take your order? Two sweet teas, please. Got it. Coming right up. It's the end of the meal. The ticket has been placed on the table, and it's time to fill in the tip amount. Twenty percent is considered standard. It's pretty much a no-brainer. Some restaurants even put the dollar amount on the bill for different percentages to help you out. You do the math, write it down, or leave the cash, and you're on your way. But once the check goes back into the server's hands, things get a lot more complicated. The money doesn't all go to the server, and there are a lot of things restaurants do to skim the tips. Let me tell you all about it. I'm Jim Grinstead, and I'm hungry in Nashville. Let's eat. About a year ago, we did a podcast on holiday parties. One of our guests was Amanda Graham. Amanda is a restaurant veteran who's worked in all kinds of restaurants in lots of places. She knows the business, has a great personality, and is fun to listen to. And recently, we sat down with her to talk about tipping. So there's this wonderful new invention called a tip pool, which I think was, and I know for sure, was created by management. So tip pool is you take all of the tips for the whole entire day or the shift. If it's a morning shift, PM shift. Some people don't play the right game, but if it's a morning shift and a PM shift, they'll split it up. Like morning, all those tips are together and evening, all of those tips are together. And so what happens is everyone clocks in and they all get the same percentage of the tips. So everyone throws all of their like tips into the pool and you kind of work from there. So if we made $200 amongst four people, you divide that by the hour. So there's 20 hours. So what? That's $10 an hour per person. So $10 a person. Jan worked four hours. She only makes $40. Susan is scheduled because she might be the bartender. She's scheduled to work 10 hours. So she makes 100 of the pot already. Doesn't mean Susan did more work. She just was there for more hours. And that's where it gets sticky. And it gets more complicated. Amanda told me of a case where she was called in to work for a group of 20 people. She made $500 for about three hours' work, but had to put it all into the tip pool, so she netted about $120. The system is good for those who don't work hard or aren't able to generate good tips. But for those who are good at their job, they get less than they would on their own. Amanda is good at her job and would rather keep her own tips. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone gets paid. Everyone gets tipped out. So this tip out starts like this. So everyone has a role. So there's like service assistants and essays. That's what they're called. Essay is a server assistant. And those are the people, especially if you go to like finer dining that aren't necessarily your server, but they come and they clear your plates and they put new cutlery down. They make sure your water's filled. They run your drinks, but they're, they don't directly speak to you most of the times. They don't get tips. They're on a higher hourly traditionally, and then they get tipped out a percentage of the sales, usually, which is usually like 2.5%. So if I have $1,000 in sales, they get tipped out 2.5% of my sales. It's not that much money. What is like 25 bucks? So that's the server assistant. The server, if they have $1,000 worth of sales, then 20% of $1,000 is to $200, right? So 
I walk with 200, I had to tip my essay 25. So I walked with $175 and they kind of got the back end. Bartending is a little bit different. Bartenders traditionally keep all of their money amongst the bar and then they divide it amongst themselves by hours. If the first person came in at whatever time, like they came in at three, all their tips until the second person came in are theirs. And then they split when they're together. And then when that first bartender leaves, that second bartender keeps all the late tips. I feel a spreadsheet coming on. But a lot of it is handled by the software that manages orders and payments. Amanda says in well-structured restaurants, they get the data on how the tip outs were calculated, but others keep that information to themselves. I've worked places where they don't do that, and that causes like dissension um, because people don't know like how much they're getting paid. They're like, well, I thought I made this much, but like it shows me this much. Can I see the paperwork? And they're like, you know, and you're like, this is fishy. How come you can't show me the money? You know what was that, Jerry Maguire? Come on, like, let me see it. If you can, imagine for a moment that I'm a stripper. Let me know when you're finished laughing. I don't get to keep all those bills I get from shaking my booty on stage. I have to share those tips with the bartender, servers, and most importantly, with the person playing the music because they control how often I get on stage and that impacts how much money I make. It's the same for restaurant servers at some restaurants. So if you're a server, you also tip the bartenders because they're making your drinks. So they're doing work for you. So that's why traditionally bartenders make a lot more than servers because they're doing two jobs at one time. They're taking care of guests and they're making drinks. They're multitasking. You tip them a percentage of your alcohol sales traditionally. So yeah, you could walk out with less because you're, you're, you had high alcohol sales or you had high food sales. So you have to be like, okay, how much money do I want to spend to other people today? It's a, it's a game. It's a strategy game. Oh, you know what? You know who likes to get tipped? The host. The hosts don't get tipped. They don't, they're not a part of the tip out. They get paid an hourly rate. They're the masterminds. They run the ship. I used to host back in the day and their minds are little, like literally plugging people in, moving things around, making the ship work. If you have a good host staff, you have a good team. Like your team's going to flow and it's going to run because they're, they're mini managers. Order up. One of the things that has really ticked me off is when a server asks, do you need change? Okay. That could happen for numerous reasons. I could be asking because I'm really busy right now and like <laughs> going to find like your change. I'm going to do it. But if you will save me a step, like cool. And sometimes people are doing it to be rude and presumptuous. Like if you left, like you said, you only have $3 left on your change. Your bill was 77 and they're like, oh, you're going to leave me $3. I'm going to be a little bit of an asshole right now. I'd be like, do you need change? You know, people are like that sometimes. So it's kind of like not a blanket, but a policy like most restaurants and a good restaurant's policy is to always bring change and bring correct change back to the guest. So unless someone tells me that they don't need change, I'm going to go find it. And usually I don't even look in the book or like whatever you put down until I walk away. I wait until I'm out of sight. I think it's polite to wait because sometimes you tip me really bad and I like don't want I don't want my face to show it. <laughs> like in front of the guests, like 
I want them to come back, I guess. I don't want them to have a reason to be upset or complain about me. So I'll walk away. I definitely will put it away, walk to the back or walk to the terminal where the computer is. And then I'll look like, oh, it's a card. Oh, it's cash. That's when you look to see what kind of payment, what they had. It's poor form if you open up a checkbook in front of a guest and go, mm, what do you need? That's just poor, poor taste. Good tipping pays off. And I'm sure, like me, you want to know the largest tip Amanda has ever earned. During the NCAA tournament here, and I I don't know, the gentleman just probably took a liking to me, but every 30 to 40 minutes, he just put $100 in my hand. And was just like, here, thanks. Here, thanks. Yeah, and then tipped me on top of that. And I was like going around to my girlfriends and I was just like, you guys need to get in on this right now. Like we're getting paid today. (laughs) And I feel like you just made the equation of a stripper, but I felt like the hot lights on. (laughs) No, seriously, I think he tipped me in total in two days because he came in at night and handed me $100 and asked me for a burger. And he goes, how fast can I get a burger? I said, I can get you a burger in five minutes. I walked straight to the back. I said, I need that burger right there. Give it to me. <laughs> and then tipped me on top that day and then came back and spent spent like well over four or $500 with his crew and then tipped me over the time $1,000. And I told my girlfriends that night, I said, who wants to go have some drinks after work? Because I got you all today. <laughs> Servers have different ways to boost tips. One of them is controversial. Do you touch the customer? I've worked in different types of restaurants. And I've worked in restaurants where the patrons were predominantly men, males. Touch is a language of its own. And verbal communication is only 30% of communication. So it just depends. I personally don't like to be touched by patrons. So I'm not going to touch one. But... I think it can, and it has. I have used it. Most people have used it just to familiarity, to kind of bring people into camaraderie, like, we're all together. I know you. We know each other. But I would say, personally and professionally, I like to keep boundaries between each other. And that was one of the reasons I enjoyed bartending a lot, because when I did work in a restaurant that was uh, male-heavy, and it was a pretty speedy bar, so it was kind of like they came in to see the girls as well because we full girl staff they they had hands and they liked to use them and so I appreciated being behind the bar and there was a good three foot barrier between you and I and so it was like uh-huh, I know you thought about it but you can't pull this off right now <laughs> there's no way you can pull it off yeah but sometimes I will reach out if I know them if I'm familiar with them people do need touch and it's a real thing I think I've observed a lot with bartending for so many years you can tell when people are coming in because they need human contact they don't get a lot of it so I've had regulars, I touch them, I hug them. We're just like that because I know their story and they live by themselves and they are they don't have anybody to hug them. And I understand like, it's not a sexual thing. It's just like, you need this today. I can see it in your face. I'll grab a hand of a guest and just put my hand there and be like, how are you today? So it just depends. It can be flirtatious and it can be sincerely like caring about their well-being. Does cleavage help? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh Yes, I've worked in a bar where we had shirts that were pretty low cleavage. Me personally, not my not my jig, but there were some people where you're just like, oh, snaps. 
Like, she's going to, I'm like, you put the girls out there today, didn't you, honey? <laughs> I'm like, let me see what your tip percentage is. But there are some people that play to those things, like, you know, but I just haven't been personally. But it does work. I've just always tried to, like, make my personality work a little bit more. <laughs> what works best for Amanda is simply connecting with her customers. Oh, I'm nosy, personally. Like, when I'm sitting there filling waters, going around, grabbing plates, but pre-busting and stuff, I'll listen to the conversation, I'll interject, I'll talk to them, trying to get in. You kind of want to become a part of their experience, but kind of knowing exactly where there's a fine line between, like, would you shut up? I'm trying to talk to my dad right now. And, like, you know, hang out with them. Some people like it. Some people don't. You just have to read it. I think, like, another way to, like, make sure you get an optimum tip is just being the best and creating an experience for everybody. People go out here and they spend two, $300 on a meal. They want to have a great time and making sure, oh, they drop their fork. I saw that. you. Everyone can hear a fork dropping. If you've been in the industry long enough, you know when something drops on the floor, it's like, did you look to see if it was there or not? Like, did you look... Oh, it's a fork. I'll go get you another one before you ask me to. I've got drinks coming before you ask me to. I've got your new plates before you ask me to. I think just being a step ahead of your guest is one of those ways to ensure like a better tip. But I think like honestly, the standard is 20%. And if I expect 20% and I don't really expect people to tip me more than 20% when they do, I'm appreciative. But my service, I feel is... Higher than 20%, but I don't expect more than that. Order up. We also talked about various odds and ends, like why has tipping gone from 15% to 20%? Since it's a percentage, shouldn't rising meal prices also raise a server's earnings? They raise their prices, I think, a lot to do with, like, cost of product as well, like, in the market. I don't think it's always, always has to do with them just trying to make a better profit. Because I remember working at an Italian restaurant, and I worked in Alabama, and I transferred up here to the same restaurant, and the prices were a lot different. And I think it just has to do with the market as well. Um, how much things cost because it was a smaller market down there. And I think it had also to do with like the income of the people that were in that market. I don't personally think that it has to do with greed, but I could be so wrong because proprietors and restaurant owners are some of the greediest people I've ever met. Their employees, their staff aren't the number one priority because if they were, they would pay them more than two thirteen an hour and they wouldn't make them have to survive off of crossing their fingers and hoping that the people that came into their restaurant tipped them and paid their pay their rent, paid for them to eat, paid for their gas. But especially in Nashville, they know that people will apply. People will come. So if somebody leaves, somebody else will come at eventually. I used to work at a restaurant that had great retention four or five years, but now they can't keep staff over a year because they just haven't built that community where they want to take care of their staff. People don't feel like they're being taken care of when they can go down the street and make $6 an hour, which is way above minimum plus all of their tips, and you're still paying two thirteen. dollars it's actually kind of disrespectful to the service industry. Next question. If the kitchen makes a mistake, do customers hold the server accountable and reduce their tip? Let me say one thing. That usually never happens. The kitchen is usually never wrong. It's the server. If you're in a good kitchen... It's not the kitchen. (laughs) 
Oh, no. And I try not to, but we'll throw the kitchen under the bus a lot. (laughs) A lot. Do you see that reflected on your tip? Not usually, because if you're at a great place, there will be there'll be other steps. They'll probably send out something else to eat at the same time with your other guests, give you something to like keep you occupied and not just thinking about, gosh, I'm starving and my whole table's eating right now. If it's a whole table that's messed up, oh, you're done for. Like as a yeah, you're you don't have a chance because it it can't be the kitchen. The kitchen's just that bad. Because here's the checks and balances inside the kitchen. The chef calls it. He calls all the food. The whole line repeats it back and says they heard it. The keyword is heard. Um, and the chef will ask again sometimes if not everybody replied. And then he goes, heard. And then the, the, the kitchen will say, heard. And then they'll make the ticket. It'll come all the way to the chef, all the way to the window. He'll read the ticket. He'll look at the food. It's just the same. And then he'll send it out there. And if you have a good server on the other side, they're looking at the ticket too and saying, hey, chef, that doesn't look right. Because there's like three people that can check the food before. So it's usually not the kitchen. And it usually doesn't really impact people too much on the tipping side. A great restaurant will just be like, I'm comping that. I'm taking that off. Don't worry about it. I hope I can find something that you really enjoy that's to your liking. So if you get comped food and also like happy hour food and alcohol, discounts of any sorts, you should chip on the original total because the server's doing the same amount of work. Just because you got a discount shouldn't affect my pocket. A lot of people don't see it that way. A lot of people, it doesn't even register because they got half off whatever sushi or chicken at happy hour with their half off drinks. Oh, my bill's so cheap. It's only 15 and it should have been 30. Well, tip six bucks because they're really doing the same amount of work for half the money. And a lot of servers hate, vehemently hate discount hours of any sort. Because there's no compensation on the restaurant side. The restaurant's not paying them extra to lose money. They just kind of say, well, suck it up. You're going to make it out in volume. Quality over quantity is my game. (laughs) Servers hate campers. Those are the people who stay at a table forever. If the table doesn't turn over, the server loses money. They don't even know. They don't even know. People are not aware that they are affecting the flow of the restaurant. And they're affecting the pockets of the people that work there. I had to inform my mother about this because she's good on camping with her girlfriends when they haven't seen each other in a long time. I say, so mom, for every hour that you guys sit here, throw at least 10 to 20 extra bucks out. Have some cash. Write it on the tip line. Tell them, don't worry about this table. Come back every 30 minutes. We're just, we haven't seen each other. And be like, we're going to tip you or we're going to tip you extra because it's the livelihood. And she goes, I didn't know until you were in this industry. So when it comes to camping, there are a few issues. If it's a high volume restaurant on a weekend and you just want to camp and hang out, you were upset about the hour and a half wait. Think about the other people got quoted an hour and a half that are waiting for your hour and a half sitting time to be over. And now you sat here for two and a half hours. And so you've pushed everybody back on their wait times. Everyone's mad at the host. I can't tell you to get up. I can take everything out from in front of you, but you have the right to sit here as long as you want. People just aren't aware of how it really affects the whole industry, especially on a busy night, fine dining especially. Finally, the question that had to be asked, 
How much should you tip if you vomit at your table? Uh, seeing as though that uh, involves extra work and someone to come over that has a clad iron stomach, twenty percent is a standard, and then I would definitely just throw twenty on top of that. That also is another component. If someone throws up at the table because they're intoxicated, they're probably going to be expelled from the restaurant, and you have to kind of go into it knowing that that's a possibility if you bring guests in that are. A little too inebriated to be there. Most people make it to the bathroom. There have been spots in the restroom, spots on the way to the restroom. I don't think I've ever been at a table and had that happen. I've had personal experience, and I've made it to the sink in a restaurant before. <laughs> no, I had overserved myself before we sat down for dinner, and the server had. My girlfriend and I just wanted a nice night out. It was just like girls' night, the two of us. He walks all the way over, and he starts. Speaking, and I just put one finger over my mouth, got up, and walked straight to the bathroom. And you know, if people try and clean it up themselves and mask it, it's completely different than when you're just kind of being a pretty crappy patron and you're like, whatever, this is their job. I think if people are like sympathetic for like, I'm so sorry I did this, they realize it versus clean it up. It's your job to do this. Like we're the helper, the you know, like hired help. It's kind of different. Funny enough, I know one girl that can't smell. So she's the cinder in. <laughs> she's like, I don't mind. I can't smell at all. It's fine. I'm the vomit girl for the restaurant. <laughs> Anything else? Okay, come back soon. Hungry in Nashville is brought to you by Out of My Pocket Productions and is copyrighted 2020 by me, Jim Grinstead. You can listen to Hungry in Nashville on our website, hungryinnashville.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can like us on Facebook or enter your email address on the website so you'll be notified when new episodes are posted. But the best thing you can do to support the podcast is to tell your friends about it and encourage them to subscribe. And if you have an idea for something you'd like to hear, don't be shy. Send it to idea at hungryinnashville.com. Thanks for listening, and may you eat well. Well.